0: Hi everybody, this is your host with the most time on his hands, Thomas Tipple FF, and I'm sorry that I can't be there with everyone tonight, but I just wanted to say thank you for the birthday wishes uh, that I've gotten. It has been truly overwhelming, Um, but mostly I wanted to say thank you to all of you for helping us uh, grow and move forward as a show, as friends.
1: Uh, you name it i am happy and blessed to have made it through another another fun year a uh, semi-difficult year right for a lot of people uh but we're here we're still going so again i just wanted
0: to say thank you to everyone to my two mates here on the show tonight enjoy and have fun thank you <laughs> Should work in teams who wants to be my spotter i don't think you should be doing too much gambling tonight alan gambling you anything about gambling it's not gambling
1: when you know you're gonna win hello 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 and welcome uh these mics man they get me every time i it's on <laughs> when the video plays and so i have my finger hovering hovering you yeah. station the video ending me clicking on mute. and then what I fail to realize, of course, is that as soon as the video ends, I automatically get unmuted, and so I actually just muted myself. But this flawless plays,
0: flawless plays.
1: Once again, you get to be entertained by my mishandling of the technological aspects of podcast hostery. Uh, because the big man, Tom Tipple, uh, as you saw in the opening today. He's not with us. He is celebrating his 33rd birthday uh, with the lovely Aaron, friend of the podcast. And so that means it's a two-man operation. It's me and Billy today. Uh, Billy, how are you doing? Why don't you tell the people how you're doing? Because in the midst of that intro, I went and got a beer and it was really fizzy randomly. And so I spilt all over my desk. And so you please vent for 30 seconds while I wipe this up.
0: Yeah, I, uh, as president of the Allen Robinson Fan Club, uh, we're, we're a very large organization. Um, I have to admit, I'm not doing well. But after I spoke with some of the co-owners of the organization, I personally, as CEO, uh, we went with, to the president, the vice president, down the line a little bit to the higher pieces of the executive branch. Um, and we finally came to terms to rebrand ourselves. Uh, it's a big moment for us. So um keep an eye on the stock market for the the Allen Robinson fan club as we qu- begin this process to rebrand ourselves into the Taylor Heineke Clubhouse. <laughs> we're very excited. We're looking forward to uh a happy rebranding. And uh yeah, we're it's it's gonna we're gonna remain the Taylor Heineke Clubhouse until Allen Robinson decides to uh become Justin Field's friend again. So with that being said,
1: I think I successfully vamped on that, and we're going to pass it back over to Jacob. Yeah, I'm back. I wiped out my spill. We're all good to go. I'm I'm sipping on a nice little non-such petite saison. Uh, I'm back in the heartland of the country. I'm back in Winnipeg here for Thanksgiving, hence the wooden background replacing the white walls uh, and enjoying the nice local brews. Maddie B in the chat. Uh absolutely, we love that too. That's all to the big man upstairs, Tom getting that done. And Cody is in the chat. Uh yo, yo, speaking yo. with the big man, the most yoked <laughs> man in fantasy football, Cody harpentier in the chat. What's up, Cody? Uh look, we're gonna get into it today. It is uh <laughs> Cody. Look, man, we do things differently in Canada, my man. Uh I forget. I'm with y'all, you. Cody. Americans, I'm with you. Here's the difference, right? In America, uh It's it's a warmer country, right? So so Thanksgiving is known as like a fall type of of situation. And in November in America, it kind of is fall. If we had Thanksgiving in November, that would be Christmas. That would be walking outside in the snow, uh, you know, hanging a Christmas tree, going down chimneys. For us to have Thanksgiving in the fall, it it really has to be right now. So I don't know. Do you folks also have a holiday weekend this weekend, or is, is this the only one that, that Canada gets to ourselves? Well, today is my sister's birthday. So I don't think that's a national holiday, is it?
0: But, but besides Unless your that... sister's
1: like Christopher Columbus or something.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And also Thomas's birthday. So uh, I'll be Chano's down here Chano. celebrating that. I'm the one who's far away from everyone else on this team. So I guess Tom Lee is technically on the other side of the, the, the planet. He is about as far from us as he can be. But you know what? I, we'll we'll count it. On the, the the full tilt Friday show, I, I'm the farthest.
1: Absolutely. All right. Here's what we're gonna do today. We're gonna start off. We're gonna break down some of the most uh recent news. And in this case, unfortunately, we have some very recent and very large yeah. news uh regarding Russell Wilson. And then we are gonna just talk. Uh our show is called Tear Jerkers here. We're gonna just talk a little bit about Uh, you know, all the different uh, wide receivers, especially some running backs and quarterbacks that have have really, really changed their dynasty stock, either in a positive or negative direction. Uh, And and ultimately, we're going to sort of talk through how we're handling these players and what kind of trades we're looking to do, especially philosophically. It's going to be a pretty free and open conversation. So by all means, if you have any questions, make sure to hit us with those and we will address every question that you have throughout the show. Just a reminder: the comments seem to still be disabled on Twitter, so make sure to head over to the YouTube where you see Cody and Matt right now. If you got any questions for us, and yeah, man, spent four years in Grand Forks. Yeah, Grand Forks—that's that's what we in Winnipeg call a fun weekend vacation. Uh, we used to go down to Grand Forks so we could eat at uh, exotic restaurants like Culver's uh, and <laughs> you know have. Have crazy American candy uh, and go go shopping at stores like Abercrombie and Fitch. You know, it was really really exciting when I was a ten year old. Whenever we'd head down to the Forks, so uh, well, I, 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 love I love the quiet. You. I love the quiet Culvers reference there. Yeah, um, and there's nothing quiet about a butter burger, baby. That love stuff love just me just some grudel Culvers. That's a Wisconsin yeah. original there. <laughs> I bet, I bet, I bet. All right, so let's let's not uh, let's not delay the lead any longer here. Russell Wilson, I, I don't know why, but the first time I, I saw this last night, I thought it was a Malay finger. <laughs> I'm not sure why. Yeah. But apparently it's, it's mallet finger. And it came out, I guess, whatever the worst case scenario is, that he actually yeah. ruptured a tendon in that finger. And now I've seen out minimum a month, more likely six to eight weeks. In all likelihood, that's probably a wrap for the Seahawks playoff contention. They're already two and three and they're yeah. about to start Geno Smith. So what's the initial takeaway here with Russell Wilson? Uh, you know, and especially, obviously, you know, you lose Russ, but what's, what's your takeaway on specifically DK, Lockett, these running backs? How, how are you feeling about these guys going forward?
0: Yeah, first off, shout, shout out Tom Lee for nailing that diagnosis immediately.
1: Yeah. In our group chat. Yeah, was yeah it was top of that. it was seriously impressive.
0: Uh, But, yeah, this is a death nail for just about every Seattle Seahawk. I mean, I want to say good for the run game in terms of fantasy aspects. But, like, even then, like, Alex Collins is Alex Collins. Chris Carson was getting fed off of workload and team efficiency and the fact that the defenses had to play. They couldn't stack the box against Chris Carson. Because Russell Wilson yeah. would throw a touchdown on any given play, like this, this might just no, Cart- be a death
1: death nail for everyone on the Seahawks. All these guys have been a total luck box, right? Like, like that, and that's the problem. And it's and we've just sort of accepted over time that it's a sustainable luck box. But I mean, this team plays so unfriendly fantasy; like they're so yeah. slow. They're the, really, really run heavy. They're they're just they just don't call the game smartly. And we have put up with it because Russ is so efficient that, you know, the way defense have to play him, Carson, who has kind of this gross role, like his his role is really no different in terms of just raw touches to like a Zach Moss. He he gets, you know, usually like 13 to 15 carries a game and a couple of targets. And it's usually worked out because he scores so many touchdowns and because he's efficient because Carson is very good in his own right. Uh, And, you know, that's especially so coupled with Russ. He's a guy I'm really, really worried about just yeah. because he's got this neck issue. Apparently it's a chronic condition. You know, are they really going to put him out there week after week with a chronic neck condition and what's yeah. looking like a lost season? I'm not so sure about that. If he is playing, you know, what's his workload going to be? And is he going to be able to have that efficiency with Geno Smith? Probably not. So I'm I'm quite concerned about Carson. I mean, Lockett kind of similar, like he's, he's a guy yeah, who's been posting. Absolutely. I mean, I know that we've, we've argued about what, how lock, how valuable Lockett is, you know, uh, in yeah. terms of how volatile is week to week, but season long, right? Like season long, he usually ends up as a fringe wide receiver one, but he's usually doing it on like 90 to hundred targets half the time. Yeah. Uh, you know, if he's seeing six targets a week from Geno Smith and there's no real reason for me to think they're going to throw more uh, that that's a big problem. I think yeah. DK maybe is slightly more immune, just because his role is a little bit more normal. But still, I, I mean, I, I'm not feeling good about it. Like DK goes from a guy who has, you know, legitimate potential; he's drawing lives to be the wide receiver one in any given week overall. To now, I mean, he's probably more of like a mid-range wide receiver two type. So yeah, it's uh, that's it's it's really really a big bummer, big bummer. Look at you know. Yeah, looking at the at least Metcalf. On it. Like if you have Metcalf and Dynasty, at least you're you're insulated, right? Because yeah, you have Metcalf absolutely. and Dynasty. I mean, I think you're fine no matter what. Because you know if if you're if you just want to worry about the value aspect of it, I mean, obviously he's he's gonna probably have Russ come back next year, or at the very least, even if even if Russ was to demand a trade or something, I mean, they're gonna have someone better than Geno Smith. Uh, yeah, it's it's more damaging for Carson and for Lockett where you're really, if you're rostering them, you need their production in 2021. There's not going to be much of a trade market for them. If you're a contender with DK and you need to cash out of your DK now to get someone who's going to give you that wide receiver one production, you're going to have no shortage of takers. Yeah. But what, what would you try to do if, if, if you have, uh you know, if you have Carson, if you have Lockett and, and you're a contender, is there anyone you would be trying to prioritize and trade market? Like maybe not for them, but that you think you could get cheap? Chris Carson terrifies me. Like I, I would try to get,
0: just about anything you could for him. Like, so. I I never want to put this on a human being. Um, Chris Carson seems like a good enough dude. He posts amazing workout videos. Like, those are ridiculous. But I, like, this is a very, very sketchy situation with a chronic neck issue as a ground-and-pound running back, someone who was not known for, you know, shooting around the field. Like he is terrifying. Lockett, Lockett's getting paid. Like Lockett is locked in there. So provided Russ doesn't opt to uh, provide Russ doesn't try to hold out. Like I mm-hmm. think you're going to be totally fine to just throw Lockett on your bench and add someone else in. The problem is I don't think Geno is going to save Lockett. Like Geno isn't going to get those those one game those one play fantasy weeks. that how Lockett yeah yeah kind exactly. of benefits from on the upside though like if there's any to be had i mean gino smith can potentially be played in superflex if you could go yeah. get him he's a starting qb i think he's I a think capable he backup him. yeah like i don't think he's you know we look around the league and see all these amazing backup quarterbacks who you know could potentially start on a different team but i i don't think gino is that but I think Geno is, he, he's going to be serviceable. And yeah. while their offensive coordinator hasn't, you know, inspired me a whole lot, I think potentially this could feed into, you know, players like Gerald Everett or other players who are kind of coming out of that backfield, even like players like DJ yeah. Dallas, potentially being used a little bit more. I, um, I think but i I think this is bad for everyone on Seattle.
1: I mean, I think this is, this is kind of like the Cowboys situation last year to me where, yeah. you know, the, the more reliant you are on efficiency and the further away you get from the ball, the more it hurts you, right? Like Am- Amari Cooper yeah. kind of went – he went from like a low-end wide receiver one to like a low-end wide receiver two. I think that's kind of what Metcalf is looking at, whereas, yeah. you know, Lamb last year was more reliant on the big play you know, more reliant on the team's passing efficiency, he really became unstartable for most of, of the rest of the year. I think that's where Lockett's going to go with maybe a couple yeah. of big weeks intermittent. Whereas, you know, Gerald Everett, like Dalton Schultz was actually totally fine last year. I think Gerald Everett could catch a lot of those dump off passes. We saw Will Disley immediately get a couple targets from Gino when he came into the game. And of course we saw what happened with Zeke Elliott, right? Where he went from someone that was, that was, you know, a, a potential top five running back to was really more of an RB2 last year with Anthony yeah. because you're just never getting that efficiency and you know Carson similar to Zeke is not the guy who's going to get it with with explosive plays not going to get it with you know a ton of pass game usage it's it's going to be a little bit relying on the efficiency of the offense so that's a bummer for sure yeah. uh moving on the other injury news we'll hit these a lot faster but yeah. uh, Antonio Gibson stress fracture
0: thing.
1: in his shin uh it sounds like all indications are he is he's been playing through it and will continue to play through it uh, obviously not what you want to hear. Where, where are you at on Antonio Gibson? Um, and, and do you think, you know, obviously, I think if you have him, you're, you're probably starting him if he plays, unless you have quite a decent option. But from more of a long-term dynasty lens, like is this someone that you're you're open to buying low on due to the injury scare? Or is this someone you're, you're willing to sell low on? Because certainly his market's not what it was a month ago.
0: Yeah, I... This situation is really weird to me because I think I'm in a situation where I'm completely open to both sides of the coin. Like, if you're a contender right now, you're seeing Antonio Gibson, and you buy in that this is going to hobble in, which I think is completely fair. Like, he has a fractured shin. But if you're buying in that that's going to be an issue, um, I, I think it's okay to move. Like, Gibson right now in a dynasty league, I think you could trade straight up for some of these ridiculously efficient running backs that are coming out and i personally wouldn't do that i think gibson is an extremely talented player but i think if you are one of these contenders who you know you're hanging on you're losing running backs by the uh by the week you're not like jacob who has been harping on zero rb all off season <laughs> like, I got my, like i'm got, i swimming in a pool of davian williams shares <laughs> like if, if you're not in that situation like right. that, that's really. the boat you have to play. That being said, if you're in a league right now where you have a contender who just lost their one remaining running back, I I'd go out I'd go out and buy Antonio like right now and I it Antonio Gibson isn't going to end up in this Miles Sanders role where he's an extremely talented running back, at least according to every metric we can find. And he's just not getting the ball. Like, I don't see that for Antonio Gibson. Yeah. But I think that there is a potential for this to harm some of that efficiency that he's had, that he's shown. And granted, he he's supposedly been playing through this a little bit. And um, he's expecting to be playing through it. Antonio Gibson is a player who, through his first year and four weeks of the, his career, he's kind of been apt to play through some of these bang up injuries, but a mm.
1: fractured shit is a little bit more than that. So,
0: yeah. yeah.
1: I mean, to me, it's just a bummer. Like, you're, you know, you're with Gibson. The reality is this current role is just not really worth the price of admission. Like, it, it's fine. Yeah. But, uh, you know, if you're drafting Antonio Gibson, especially in redraft, but in, in Dynasty 2, you're, you're drafting him based on a potential role expansion, right? Like you're saying, this is a guy who's, you know, really, you know, sort of a classic RB2 profile right now in terms of he gets about 15 carries a game. You know, he gets most of the goal line work, but not all of it. And he's going to get his two or three targets a game. You know, that's a pretty replaceable line. That's, that's sort of the baseline of what you're going to get with a lot of these Guys that you can plug in off the waivers. The reason why you spend that capital on Gibson is because of the talent factor to make the most of his opportunities. You know, you see that in Buffalo, the Buffalo game. He has 17 fantasy points that week. He didn't get a whole lot of opportunities, but he makes that 73-yard screen pass. That's that's a play that most people just aren't gonna make happen. And then the other aspect is you look at it and say, okay, well, this is a guy that is capable of more. He's capable of a role expansion. Can he start working into the pass game from JD McKissick? And after week one, it looked so encouraging when he came out, he had those five targets in the first week. It's just, you know, that's, I think you can pretty much write that off entirely now. Yeah. I I mean, they're going to keep him healthy. They're going to preserve him. He's going to be the early down back. And McKissick is going to just get all that pass work, even more than he's already been getting. It's, it's just, it's definitely a concern. I I almost wish that they would just rest him for a while. uh, Yeah. That's kind of, you know, m- maybe they think let's just test it out for a couple more weeks. If it gets better naturally, great. If not, then we sit him for a couple weeks, lead up to the buy, and then he comes back after the buy. That that might happen. We'll see. I'm I'm probably I'm definitely open to like sending out a few feelers on Gibson and see if I can get yeah, 90 cents on the dollar. But I'm certainly not going to panic sell or or anything too too crazy. We've seen guys play through this. Others quickly. I'll just run this down, and if you have any reactions. Uh, afterwards go for it but otherwise on the injury front Christian McCaffrey doubtful to play this week uh, although it sounds like he's in very good shape to return for week six from all indications T Higgins is back this week Joe Mixon it sounds like he's going to try and practice on Saturday to see if he can play Uh, I'm going to put him on the doubtful side of questionable Corlton Sutton rolled his ankle today but beat reporters are saying it's considered minor and he is expected to play against Pittsburgh Uh, George Kittle has been downgraded to doubtful. It's the same calf injury that he was missing time with in practice last week. Sounds like it's gotten more inflamed and progressively worse. They have their bye next week. I think it makes a lot of sense to rest Kittle this week, especially in a game that frankly, they're probably going to lose. Uh, any big takeaways from, from all of that? Uh, not really. Uh, the Joe Mixon one, I think
0: is, I honestly, I'm kind of happy about it. When I first heard about it, it was very worrisome. Um, I'm completely fine if Joe Mixon just sits for a week and mm-hmm. comes back. I I wish to I wish I got to hear that he's playing against that sexy Green Bay matchup. But I I, yeah I, I Mixon is scary. Like especially given his history, I <laughs> I much rather Mixon just sits.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. All right, that's all we've got for the news. We're going to get into more of a strategy conversation. We're going to talk about some of the big guys uh, when we come back that have been rising in the dynasty rankings, uh, how we're handling them, and, you know, in a more three-dimensional way, I think, than just sort of the sell high, sell buy low, whatever else, uh, you know, what are we actually doing in these rosters, depending on the situation? When are we keeping them? What kind of trades are we actually looking for, you know, from that more strategic lens? So we're going to be back in just a few seconds. (laughs)
0: All right. right, seconds, an adequate number.
1: Yeah, that was a really quick one. I was not expecting that one to go that fast. <laughs> so I, I wish that, I wish that some of these were, you know, long enough to so like go get a drink or go go do some things. All all I, all I can do is like quickly check Twitter put my phone back down. That's pretty much the extent of it. Yeah. Maybe get a sip of beer. All right. Who let's uh, let's start with with uh, this RAM situation actually because wild night. You know, because it, it's fresh in all of our minds. You know the story the first four weeks was a lot of Cooper Cup talk. Cooper Cup after three weeks, I believe, was the overall wide receiver one. Is he is he's I guess he's probably is still no, I guess Tyree Kill might have passed him. Anyway, he's been up there and uh and he goes in. He has a good week in his own right. I, I think he had seven catches for 92 yards on 10 targets, I want to say. Yeah. Uh, but he was overshadowed, of course, by Bob Trees, who had 14 targets, 12 catches, 150 yards. And you know, PFF immortalized this evening with a big photo of Van Jefferson. Of <laughs> um, I love that. That was so good. <laughs> uh, look, so early, you know, if we were doing this podcast three days ago, it would have been, Oh my God, what are we going to do with cop? Is he a wide receiver one and dynasty? Are is woods dust? Well, I think mean, we can definitely say woods is not dust, but no. what, what are you doing now? Is if you're, let's start on the cup side. Uh, you know, if Are you more inclined to believe that, that the Cooper Cup going forward is the Cooper Cup that we've seen the last two weeks, which is more in line with that high-end wide receiver too? Do you think it's the elite wide receiver one of the first three weeks or somewhere in between, and how are you handling him right now? Yeah, I think it's kind of I, – I don't want to take the middleman and say it's kind of in the middle
0: of those two points, but I think that's what it is. Um, if I had to lean one direction, I think I'd take that he's going to be that kind of wide receiver one upside play. Um, because the biggest thing with Cooper Cup is he's getting this ridiculous volume. And even in this last game, you got seven catches. Like, you're, yeah. you're top-end wide receiver. You want them to get seven receptions a game. And that's what he's getting. But, like, I, I think legitimately in this game, the – McVay Stafford has been getting flack about how ridiculous it is that Robert Woods hasn't been getting these touches. And this player who's been a high-end wide receiver to his entire, or I guess the entire back half of his career, basically since he went to LA um, is just not getting the ball. And now Cooper Cup has looked amazing. He's shown absolutely great flashes this year. And Stafford and him look like they have this mind melt that just, It's just a pure connection. So in this situation, I think what we're going to get is Cooper cup pushing into be like a top five, top 10 wide receiver. And then Robert Woods, instead of being that high end, you know, wide receiver 13, wide receiver 14, he's been so much of the back half of his career. um, Maybe pushing a little bit lower, like wide receiver 23, wide receiver 22, which is fine. I, I think You know, we had so many years of seeing them both producing as this ridiculous offense. And I think so much of that came from Jared Goff having to rely on Woods as an outlet guy and being able to air the ball out to Cooper Cup whenever that was an option, whenever he was able to, you know, move the ball downfield. I think Cooper Cup, if Stafford is more apt to just chuck the ball, which it seems like he is, and I think he's more talented at some of that placement, some of the placement in the kind of tighter windows of the throws, um, I I think Cooper Cup is going to be totally fine. I'm not worried about this
1: outcome at all. Because again, yeah, well, it's a good game, a great game. Yeah. So, do you? you, Who are you more likely, if you were to send out a trade offer for one of these guys right now, you know, at market value? Who, who are you more likely to trade for? Do you think this is actually maybe an opportunity to, to try and buy Cooper Cop, you know, where maybe there's some yeah. people that are regretting that they didn't sell high. If, if you go sort of split the difference, you do that or, or, you know, woods people similarly, right. I, I always think sometimes the best time to buy someone who's been struggling is after the first good game, because I think people psychologically just don't like admitting defeat, right? Like if you have, if you have that stock and sometimes you, you know, you bought a stock at, ten dollars and it's plummeting down to nine to eight to seven to six people people don't want to sell that when it's on the de- on the decline but sometimes you know say you buy a stock at 10 it goes down to seven all of a sudden it comes back up to eight you're like all right well i can make peace with that you know i i did better than i could have i could have sold at seven and lost even yeah. more i can live with this loss i think sometimes if you do believe the woods gets back to where he was this actually could be an effective time to buy but but what do you think is more likely who, who are you more if you have to make a trade offer for one in every league today who are you trading for yeah, if
0: it was twenty four hours ago, I'd be saying Robert Woods. I thought there was no way Robert Woods's volume was going to keep up the way that it was. He's too good of a player, and eventually they had to rely on him. Yeah, I think Cooper Cup is the bigger buy this week. Like he right. he fell off. He still had a decent week, but I think there's a chance that people are the bigger talking point is Robert Woods this week. Obviously, oh
1: for sure. I, I mean, I I think people are going to be targets, baby.
0: Yeah, I think people are going to be more apt to focus on that. And while that's great, Robert Woods played amazing. He got fed every, just about every target.
1: Like yeah. My favorite Cup comment was Maddie, who was in our chat, just kept saying, feed the tree, feed the tree. <laughs> exactly.
0: <laughs> but Cooper Cup is the focal point of this offense. And without Cam Akers there, he's going to continue to be the focal point of that offense. But – if I had to go out and buy right now, I think it has to be Cooper Cup. They're similar ages, and Cooper Cup just seems to have more of an upside to push to be that high-end player, while still maintaining a solid floor. His floor may be lower than Woods. I don't think that's the case anymore. Like I, I think no, I don't think so. He had a worst
1: target share the whole year this week. Yeah, and it was twenty-six percent. Which is higher than Woods is on the year, right? Like this Th- is the only game Woods has had higher than that the whole year. He's been o- under that every other game. I, Cuff is copper remains yeah. the wide receiver one until further notice. You know, like this- it's, everyone's going to have their wide receiver one get out targeted occasionally, right? Like it, you yeah. know AJ Brown, or that's probably a bad example because everybody's freaking that guy out about him. Uh, who's, yeah. You know what? If D- DJ Moore could get out targeted by Robbie Anderson this week, but no one should be then requesting again. If, if Robbie Anderson's the one, yes. it's just, that's just what happens sometimes, you know, yeah. when, uh, when Julio Jones, when his, when in his, was in his prime, sometimes Austin Hooper got more targets. We didn't ask if Julio yeah. Jones wasn't an alpha anymore.
0: No, this Cooper cup situation right now reminds me a little bit of what Tyree kill was two weeks ago. Where all of a sudden he just mm. had one kind of mediocre game, another kind of mediocre game, and then this last week he went nuclear. Like mm-hmm. that it kind of feels similar to that for me, where he wasn't bad. He just right. wasn't like the ball went elsewhere.
1: Yeah. Ball went elsewhere.
0: I, th- I think that's what we're gonna see with Cooper Cup, and I think he's gonna be fine moving forward.
1: And he was fine let's, this week uh, too. Let's stay in LA. Uh, I want to talk about one running back in LA and then another running back. that's kind of in a similar situation. Both of these guys for the first time, well, not for the first time in Henderson's case, but for the first week we saw both of these guys see a workhorse role. Uh, Daryl Henderson, of course, we had a little injury scare last night, but other than that, he continued the workhorse role that he's had whenever he has been the lead back. And then on the other side in Jacksonville, way back to the previous Thursday night, Was James Robinson. Carlos Hyde was an inactive that week with the shoulder injury. He got all the touches. He crushed. He had the two touchdowns. Both of these running backs who, you know, I think we had a lot of reason to believe were better than your average backup running back. And, you know, maybe, maybe James Robinson was never even going to be a backup running back this year. But all of a sudden, then we came into the year, they get this golden opportunity. And really, you know, Robinson got off to a slow start, but he's been coming in the right direction. Henderson just been battling injuries, but he's crushing every time he's on the field. How much of these guys gone up for you? If you're a contender, like I think these are two of the best guys, buys you can get as a contender, in my opinion, just because, they're, you know, they're going to be far more affordable, of course, than, yeah. you know, these guys, because a lot of people still think they might just be a one-year uh, issue. But at the same time, instead of paying up for that, older running back you do get a little bit upside because both these guys are still just super young at 23 years old what do you think of Henderson what do you think of Robinson what what would you pay as a as a contender to add one of these guys right now and, and what do you think the odds are that these guys really stick as dynasty fixers beyond this year I I think you need to value Henderson over James Robinson right now
0: I don't know if you agree um but just in Henderson's situation the Rams look like world beaters, and Cam Akers is a phenomenal athlete, but he is coming off an Achilles. Like, we we can love Cam Akers, I, everyone on this podcast does, but he is in fact coming off an Achilles. So I think we just need to kind of meet our expectations and expect that Daryl Henderson is likely, so long as he's in L.A., going to be a part of this offense because they're going, he's going to have the opportunity and every chance he's gotten in the last two years, he's looked pretty decent. Like I, I think big there's been very player. few complaints about Daryl Henderson. I thought it was weird that they went out and got Cam Akers in the draft last year. I mean, Akers is a talent. He's very talented, but I, I, I always say if you have a serviceable running back that you got for a relatively good price, you should stick with them. And the funny part is that parlays or leads directly into the next person, which is James Robinson, who yep. is this year. Like, that's what you have to focus on. If I were a James Robinson owner right now and I had no hope to compete as I do in a couple leagues right now, I would be looking to off him as quickly as possible because, hmm. as good as James Robinson has seen, Jacksonville looks like a dumpster fire. I mean, this Urban Meyer situation is like the urban Meyer could be out so soon given what we're hearing (laughs) out of there. Like we don't hear what's happening in Jacksonville is happening. If there's good news, like no. And the fact that J Rob has a less severe injury in front of him and a player who they took with a higher draft capital with the first pick of this regime's sans Trevor Lawrence. Like I I'm, I, I think J-Rob is a great talent for this year to be on a contender, but it's been made very clear that the Jacksonville organization does not view him as the asset that we think he could be. And hmm. I think J- James Robinson is good. Uh, but I I think right now he's just a contender piece for this year and provide ETN is back and good. I, I think we're done with J-Rob. I don't know. What, what do you think? I feel like it's I'm kind of – I think I'm kind of, yeah, I'll, the... I'll take,
1: I'll take the opposite stance actually. Yeah. Uh, I'm, and so it's, I don't know. It's, it's interesting because I, you know, especially coming into the season. So I, I would say I was, I mean, I was down on both of these players when the other guys were healthy, just because, you know, I, I really felt like the team signal was quite clear. Cam makers is going to be the absolute workhorse, you know, Travis Etienne probably not gonna be the workhorse, but that's, that's the running back that you want. Um, but when these guys went down, I really had separate opinions. I, I think for, for Henderson, my opinion became extraordinarily positive. And my, my opinion on J-Rob was a little bit more negative. I guess that's also just due to market sentiment. Like I, I was mostly yeah. coming at it from a redraft best ball landscape. When both these injuries happened, I mean, Henderson was still going as a round five, round six pick. Robinson's up to a round three pick.
0: And that I was like, this insane. doesn't make any sense
1: to me. You know, I, 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 why, I think both these guys are a little bit fragile in terms of, you know, the team essentially made a statement that we don't want them to be our every down running back with their player selection. So so that has to be a risk that they aren't that now. But, you know, if they are going to be, wouldn't I, like the idea of, of the unquestioned RB1 on the Rams, is just so extraordinarily attractive. The idea of that in Jacksonville, you know, it's going to be hit or miss. There's going to be weeks like it was in Cincinnati where the Jags play a really even game. They play from ahead. Robinson converts his goal line opportunities and he's an rb one, but there's also going to be weeks where even if high does not reclaim the role that he had early in the season, they they just get blasted and, and Robinson's going to end up in a tougher spot. That's not going to happen very often for the Los Angeles yeah. Rams. So I, I do prefer Henderson for the rest of this year. However, I guess the difference to me is that, you know, acres Ak- really established himself over Henderson last year. I mean, it, it, we, like Henderson was the lead guy and then, you know, Akers came in and he took that job from him. Uh, and and this year, all indications would have been that Akers would have been the clear lead down back. And frankly, probably would have had a role pretty close to what Henderson's is right now. Yeah. The, the issue for me in Jacksonville is that we really don't know what would have happened. Travis Etienne um, almost uh, certainly would not have opened the year as the bell cow back that Cam Akers would have. You know, it would have been a situation where he would have had to earn his touches away from James Robinson. And the big reason why I would prefer James Robinson is that I don't think Urban Meyer is the coach next year in Jacksonville. So what I see is that a new coach comes in, right, that did not pick Travis Etienne. He didn't pick James Robinson either. But all he's going to see when he turns on the tape, he's going to have two years of tape on James Robinson looking like a good running back. And he's going to have college tape on Travis Etienne. And he doesn't feel the way, right, with Urban, I think next year Urban would be a little bit more pressure, a little bit more compelled to play the guy that he spent the first round pick on to show that it was a worthy investment. You know, whoever comes in next year, he's not going to have that uh, compulsion. So if ETN comes in injured, you know, I, I think that the guy probably looks at his team. He says, okay, well, I know I have James Robinson. I can count on him. He's a strong running back. If ETN comes in healthy and he looks great, great. We'll, we'll use them in whatever way we can. And, you know, I'll probably be interested in buying ETN uh, next year. If he gets off to a slower start but I just see it as a way higher probability that a new team comes in fresh landscape and says, okay, well, James Robinson's the guy till further notice. Whereas I feel like if Cam Akers comes back healthy, you know, McVeigh I think has already made that decision. I think they'd go back to Akers and I guess, what I also feel is in terms of the next contract, both these guys are going to be on contract years coming up. I can yeah. easily see James Robinson playing himself into a second contract with Jacksonville. If EGN shows ill effects coming off the injury, if they just don't think he's the guy that team isn't invested in him they could be like all right well J-Rob's our guy now you know and whereas in LA i think there's like almost no question that Robert that Henderson walks after this contract and while i think yeah. he's a really good talent i think he's like in the absolute money situation right now to succeed i'm not sure that that you know holds up over time so i am personally team Robinson but by by a pretty small margin although i prefer Henderson for the rest of this season what, what would you give up for, for Henderson if that's your preferred one? Like what's the max? Because I, I essentially gave up two seconds for Henderson uh, this week that, in our, our clear eyes league. Uh, that's and, probably and that about was where I something did. I was willing to do on a team where I don't know if I'm necessarily even would say I'm a contender, but I'm going to be a playoff team and I wanted to try and put myself into contention status without spending a whole ton of assets because I don't love yeah. my team overall. That's sort of the, the instance where I was going for Henderson. And is that sort of a similar ballpark? I I was going to say about that, um, if I was a
0: contender right now and I was relying heavily on some Seahawks, I'd probably unload (laughs) some Seahawks for a package of Henderson and something else. Like, Mm. I mean, Metcalf, Metcalf you can't trade. Metcalf is going to be just fine. Russ is going to be back in six weeks, eight weeks. Like, Metcalf, I don't think you can trade unless you're, like, hardcore contender. You don't have picks for the rest of your life. Right. Like, Metcalf, like that, I think that's going to be the situation. But if I had Carson, if I had Lockett right now, and I could unload them to get a package with Henderson, I'd probably look to do that.
1: Mm. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I highly doubt you could get Carson for Henderson at this point. But no, perhaps, or, or yeah. sorry, Henderson for Carson. I mean, is what I meant to say. All right, I, let's. Um, I very fortunately know. traded Carson right before that Thursday
0: night game and got Juju. <laughs>
1: let's quickly talk about one other guy who's been rocketing up the ranks actually two guys. We'll we'll compare them a little bit here. Two guys that had a massive week four and both have really laid claim to being a number one wide receiver this year. I've definitely seen both of these guys now move up into the top 10 in many people's dynasty rankings. I have one of them all the way up to wide receiver eight for me. And the other is knocking on the door wide receiver 11. What, what are your thoughts here on DJ Moore and Terry McLaurin, just how high are you willing to go?
0: Yeah, I love both of these players. Um, Tom, if you're listening, um, I know we had a heated uh, DJ Moore debate the other day. Uh, but heated like, a debate. Terry,
1: were you against DJ Moore?
0: No, 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 no. Look, I love well, DJ I've got Moore. your back,
1: buddy. I've got your back.
0: I, I love DJ Moore. I love the talent. I think he's great. All I said was maybe not locked and loaded he, uh, wide receiver one for the rest of the year. Then I looked at his schedule. Like uh, I looked at his schedule. Yeah. Cause he needs a fine. schedule
1: to be wide receiver one. Fuck but, you.
0: Like, okay, whatever. Not I, I, I don't need to get in on this, but right now like DJ Moore is so, is so exciting. Provided he maintains the target share he's getting, he's going to be so flipping good. And I I was sitting there thinking there's going to be points where teams are going to be focusing so much up pressure on DJ Moore and I still think that's going to be a legitimate possibility. But with the weeks that he's put up so far, provided he p- plays healthy, he's going to be a wide receiver one this year. Like provided he's playing the rest of this year, just fine. Like I I don't think the production he's put up so far can allow him to fall out of that range. Terry McLaurin is my boy though like i i'm so
1: excited about this jacob i know you hate him because he's old um uh, no, I, but... I don't <laughs> hate jerry McLaurin. this is like yeah McLaurin's is one of those guys where like like i think i'm i'm sort of colored as anti mclaurin i mean i'm actually overmarket on McLaurin. like i have several dynasty shares of McLaurin. Yeah. it's just it's just like he always goes in a range where there's just other guys that i'd rather take and usually usually it's dj Moore. uh yeah. i don't hate McLaurin. it's just yeah, it's just hard for me to buy in fully when like the when, when he's, you know, old as balls. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> but um, M- McLaurin
0: excites me a lot because now uh, the the whole week four narrative with McLaurin is a little bit rough because he caught a bomb touchdown at the end that should not have been thrown by Heineke. And yeah, McLaurin it was a bit of a fail, Mary. A, he he caught it because he's a good wide receiver yeah. and the Falcons are bad. But, like, uh, Terry McLaurin is so flipping good. Like he, I, I legitimately think he is one of the top talents in the league at wide receiver. And I think provided he, either Heineke continues to decide to feed him, which I see no no indication of that that's slowing down. Like the Washington football team is going to have a good quarterback next year. Dep- it doesn't matter who it is. Like I think Heineke is serviceable. I think Fitz is probably serviceable as well. Yeah. And it can only get better in that situation. Like the free agent market for or what what's going to be available for quarterbacks moving forward is going to be so good. And there's potential like Aaron Rodgers going on the market. I don't think they have the cap space to pick up Rodgers, but things are only going to get better for McLaurin. And he's established himself as a player who can who can take that target share and succeed with it. And right yeah. now with the amount of money they're paying Curtis Samuel, I don't know as though they bring
1: in another like stud wide receiver to line up. No, as a wide I mean why should they? They're year. paying Samuel a bunch of money. They just drafted Deami Brown. Like they're they apparently, yeah. Fox, they're paying Logan Thomas a decent chunk of change. So no, yeah. there's there's no reason to. So I, I think in
0: Dynasty to DJ Moore is very young. Like that that's gonna be his aspect. That's gonna be really good for him. Sam Darnold looks like the second coming of Christ at this point. Like I, I he looks legitimately good. Like it, it's Wild. weird. I Adam Gase can only do what what this like second resurrection needs, of Sam Darnold. You shouldn't even
1: is. get hired to coach high school football. At this no, point. not at
0: all. Um but like Sam Darnold it, I don't think he's going to keep up this level of performance. But I I think he's better than what we saw in New York. I said he was better than what we saw in New York the last couple of years. Yeah, and he's better than what so, Moore's ever had in Carolina. Exactly. So all in all, I think these are two wide receivers who are on the rise, who should stay on the rise. I think Terry McLaurin can't keep up his production for this yeah. year, but moving forward, I mean, he's he's locked and loaded. Like, I don't who'd, see who'd you rather
1: have? Who'd you rather have rest the season? Who'd you rather have in Dynasty? I.
0: Rest of the season I'd take DJ Moore and Dynasty. I think I'd still take Terry. Like I
1: oh, I know Jeez, I is, like, I know you're insane you, to me. That's I know so you insane. disagree. I
0: just think the situation
1: But is, if you like more better rest of the season, then why would you take the guy who's who's like two years older in Dynasty? Because I don't think there's a chance
0: I, I think legitimately Robbie's gone next year. Um they they paid him and they paid him a ton, but like I, I think he's I, I think Carolina's wanting to move into this kind of defensive play that they've been looking at. I mean, right now they're in a situation where once JC Horn's foot recovers, their cornerback core is Stephon Gilmore, CJ Henderson, and JC Horn. Like that's insane. And Dante, insane. And Dante <laughs> like that—that's nut. Like there's a situation right now where they don't. They could take DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson and put them on the sidelines and just run with Christian McCaffrey and let let their defense handle the ball. Like, they're going to be so good moving forward that I don't know as though they're going to need to rely on throwing the ball. And I think Terry McLaurin, like Terry McLaurin's situation can only get better. I know we keep saying this every yeah. year.
1: But that's like, but you know who else plays for teams that don't want to throw the ball? Like DK Metcalf, AJ Brown. Yes, and, Justin and, Jefferson. Exactly. Those are like the three, you know, top wide receivers of dynasty. Why? Do, so why? Why shouldn't more be in that conversation? Great, great. That's fine. Washington football team wants to throw the ball like that. That's why they brought in
0: Fitz. They didn't right. bring in Fitz to like if they wanted a game manager. They could have went out and traded for. Caravolo okay, so, if they, so
1: if they could throw the ball and if they had a quarterback, th- then he could then he could join like the Diggs range, which is still think, behind the other guys.
0: I the if Terry McLaurin was two years younger, which he's not,
1: but he's not fine.
0: Blanche. He he's not, he's not, but like that that's the talent that we're looking at is pushing into that Diggs tier, into that Jamar Chase tier, into those tiers. And I think it's completely fine. Like he's still two
1: years younger than Diggs. And no, he's not, he's like one. Okay, he's one year younger not even, than Diggs. I'm not even sure he's a one full year younger than Diggs. He's 26. Defon Diggs is 28. No, he's 27.
0: Mm. I'll gladly be wrong on right here. Okay, Stefan Stephon Diggs is 28 in November. Um, okay, okay. So, anyway, <laughs> like, I, I think the sky is the limit for Terry McLaurin, provided he is th- – provided they get the quarterback that they want to get. And if that's Fitz coming back – If that's Taylor Heineke and they're relying on him, like, I I think Terry McLaurin has this touchdown upside on top of a strong receiving yard possibility and ridiculous amounts of target share. And I just see that breaking better for him than I do for D.J. Moore moving forward. D.J. Moore, like, this is a razor thin
1: margin, too. I just think it's yeah, I just effort. don't think it's either, I just don't think it's like close, that's all. I don't think it's like that, a comparison. That, that's I think fun, I man. think my, my issue with McLaurin is I just look, I mean, I have McLaurin shares. I, I, I'm enjoying them very much this season. But like next season, if they get a quarterback upgrade, he's immediately on the block because he's gonna next year is gonna be his age 27 season. That's AJ age Apex season. And my issue is he just has a glass ceiling value-wise, because right now he's in the second tier of right beneath the elites because he doesn't have everything perfect, right? He's, he's not super, super young. So you can't just project endlessly into the future. And then he's not Tyreek Hill, Stefan Diggs, Devontae Adams level elite right now, week to week. And probably that not a lot of that is his fault. He doesn't have the quarterback situation for that to have that stability week to week, but he's not there right now. The issue is by the time that that comes about next year, next year's the see it year. Like, let's say he gets the great quarterback. Well, then we have to see it next year. So then we could put him in the elite tier. By the time we do that, he's 28, and then he's back down to where he is right now, which is that back-end wide receiver two, you know, in the Hopkins zone, uh, or back-end wide receiver one, because he's then older. I, I just don't see how his value gets higher than it does right now over the next two years, even if he ascends. And if he doesn't ascend, then his value dips, even if it's production. So to me, he's more of a sell because I just want to get out ahead of it on wide receivers that are sort of nearing that apex. But I you know, if he gets all the situation and everything, he could be a top five fantasy wide receiver for a given year. I think we've had a a very lively, fun discussion <laughs> on these wide receivers. Let's do our picks here quick and uh and let's get uh, out yes. of here. Uh Billy, you are four and and0 When we come back, we're gonna try and see if you can get the five and 0 and O uh against us And what's truly been an embarrassing display uh for Tom and I. We will be uh right back. All right, here we go. All right, Billy. Why is <laughs> my time here? Shine. Just yeah. so anyone who's watching that has not yet seen what we do here, uh, what we do is we pick players outside of the top 12 at quarterback, out to the top 18 at running back, 24 wide receiver, top eight at tight end that we think will will finish as highly as we can. And basically, it's just whoever has the highest total score wins that week. Billy is on a heater. He started with four straight wins. Billy, who are you starting here at quarterback?
0: All right. i I'm excited to do this. As I have adequately posted on my monitor here, my weekly picks have been doing a lot better than my fantasy teams. I have a lot of Allen Robinson and a lot of A.J. Brown. So it's been a rough start. So moving into the picks this week, talk about Allen Robinson, I'm taking his quarterback. I'm taking there Justin go. Fields against Las Vegas. He looked. He showed signs of figuring it out last week. I think he's going to have every chance to figure it out this week. I honestly hope that the Vegas defensive line is good enough that they have him moving around in the pocket a little bit, just because that's what he's good at. He's an improviser. He's good at moving the ball downfield in those kind of kind of spur the moment plays. Like I, I think every situation for Justin Fields. Is coming together, and I just hope that this is the week that we finally see him be the Justin Fields we know and love. Nagy scares me, but I, I think there's a chance that this is the week. Jacob,
1: who do you got at quarterback? You're, I, I yeah, I like this pick a little bit. Don't, like, don't play these guys because I've I've socked this <laughs> all year. So just don't play them. Uh, ironically, Billy's actually just doing so well. Like I, I do pretty much the same format, although I pick usually few different players just because we use different ranks different cutoffs but i do a pretty similar idea on the wednesday show is chase chain and i'm winning like i'm actually leading that one and then yeah you know billy's beat me every single week so that just shows how how strongly billy is doing but uh, i'm gonna go with trevor lawrence i'm sticking with the rookie quarterbacks he gets whatever the titans are calling a defense Uh, i won't make the same joke for the third time on the consecutive podcast about how he's been grinding all week, ready to perform. Okay. I guess I did. Uh, but I'm excited <laughs> about Trevor Lawrence. I'm excited about him in DFS. You know, it's sort of that three levels. Okay. Level one, everybody wants to play Derrick Henry. Level two, wait, what if we're sneaky? We play the Tanny, AJ Brown. Oh, okay. Actually, what if we just play the Lawrence side? Uh, no DFS show for me tomorrow. Uh, just due to it being the, the holiday weekend family coming over so this is your dfs tip play trevor lawrence stack him with marvin jones lavisca Shenault, or dan arnold then you can bring it back with the big dog you can bring him back with aj brown and definitely lock him into your lineups. great streaming option this week who you got at running back billy All right, at running back, I'm taking the London
0: game. The New York Jets have been playing a funnel defense. They have the worst defense in the league against the running back. The Falcons do not have their wide receivers there. They're going to be rolling out a wide receiver core of Cordero Patterson. And there we go. So with that, I'm (laughs) going to be taking Mike Davis as my running back. I'm not expecting like this crazy blow up week here, but I think he gets yardage. I think they have to rely on him because they're going to be rolling Cordero out at wide receiver. And I think that the jets, the jets have been running this funnel defense where they want to lose to the running back. We saw it in, we saw it against Tennessee. We saw it mm-hmm. so much this year. Like get, give me Mike Davis. I, I think this is the last time I'm ever going to pick him in this segment But I don't know, the RB18 and beyond uh, threshold is getting pretty rough. So, like, just going in real quick, like the running backs that are currently above that, like, RB18 threshold, and thus we can't pick because they're too good, they're too God-tier right now, are Cordero Patterson and Damian Williams. So, with that being said, give me Mike Davis. (laughs) You know, Billy. Fantasy football, a game we love Game that brings us together. Drafting an RB used to be easy. Go into the first round, take one with the top workload, but it isn't always the lovable game people think it is. Every year, tens of fantasy players suffer from drafting players with projected workloads. Here are some testimonials from real fantasy players and not paid actors. I drafted Mike Davis. I drafted Mike Davis. I drafted Mike Davis. I drafted Mike Davis. But with the help, health-
1: B- Billy, All will right, that I wasn't be sure if we were doing the full thing. No, I can't go through the full that, thing. Will that be you? Will you be drafting Mike Davis? Too? That, that will, probably will, will, will be me. Will, will be. you, will be. you will start-
0: smarten the fuck up? Despite my sensual, sensual commentary to start off that (laughs) that commercial, look, I'm taking, I'm taking Mike Davis here. I, I think that this has to be the situation. Like Mike Davis showed, showed flashes last year in Carolina. Like, this has to be
1: it. If it's not, then I like now it's never. Yeah, this has to be it. (laughs) All right, I can get behind the Mike Davis. All right, we're gonna run through these quick. I'm going with you went with London. I'm, I'm going with Lendon. Uh, I did it two weeks oh, ago and he did oh nothing God. for me. But uh, this week I have to renew my faith. I'm going with Uncle Lenny Fournette. He was an absolute bell cow in the game against New England. Geo is back this week, which is a slight concern. But I'm not that concerned because Geo has exclusively played in two-minute situations and in trail situations. His only big game was when they got beat by 17 points against the Rams. Uh, I'm just going to tell you, they're not going to be down by 17 this week against the no. Dolphins. The Dolphins got absolute shit kicked by the Indianapolis Colts, who are dreadful. And uh, I expect the Bucs to win this one very, very comfortably. Ronald Jones has just not been good this year. He's made a bunch of mental mistakes. He's a pass blocker. He's been stepping out of bounds randomly. He's actually not creating any yards per touch either, which is usually something he's been good at. So they're going to let Ren- Lenny... Uh, run with this job for as long as he's able to keep it. And I'm feeling comfortable about uncle Lenny Fournette, wide receiver. Who you got for us? All right. So I I always like taking deep shots here and right
0: now. Nope. Not making that joke. Um, Cole, Cole Beasley. I got Cole Beasley. Oh, the
1: shot joke. I see. I see.
0: Yeah. uh, Cole, Cole Beasley has been a player right now. Who's been performing well when he plays good teams. Mm -hmm. You know, week one, Pittsburgh, and then uh, Washington. But, you know, he hasn't been performing that well against, you know, teams like Miami, teams like Houston. Well, the good news is he's playing Kansas City this week. And I think Josh Allen's going to have to throw the ball a lot. And Cole Beasley has been a reliable wide receiver for him. So I'm looking at Cole Beasley getting the targeted a bunch in this game. I'm looking for him to finally get into the end zone. He hasn't scored yet this year. And I think in all, every situation, I want pieces of this Chiefs-Bills game. So give me Cole Beasley against the Chiefs in an exciting matchup.
1: I love it. I love it. And uh, one of my top leagues, I uh, I just traded actually for Cole Beasley. I mean, he was a throw-in, but I am starting him. Uh, Beasles! And, and actually, I was on sharp angles. Humble flex. I was on sharp angles this week with Rich <laughs> Rebar, and we were doing our picks. And, and I had to end up going with Vin Beasel himself this week. I'm all in with the Cole Beasley selection. But this week, Billy, I guess you're no longer president of the fan club. You've with Don Taylor Heineke, but I am taking over the Allen Robinson fan club ranks. We already saw one veteran wide receiver get up off the schneid and replant his tree as a wide receiver one. This week, it's time for the other one to join him. Allen Robinson bounce back week is coming. I'm going to be all over A-Rob in DFS this week. Uh, if you uh, oh, pivot oh. off of Damian oh, okay. Williams, my Darnell Mooney, definitely going to be getting some A-Rob into my lineups, especially if I want to do any field stacks whatsoever. I'm excited for the bounce back week. Give me Alan Robinson. Now to you for the tight end. All right, I'm taking Dallas Goddard against
0: Carolina. Dallas Goddard keeps getting picked in this segment, and every time yeah. he gets picked, he does well for me. When Jacob picks him, he does bad. When I do, he puts up 16. Look, he's playing Carolina. This is going to be a tough matchup for Philadelphia, but I think they're going to rely on Dallas Goddard. They've been feeding the tight ends the ball. I mm-hmm. think it's going to break well for Goddard, and he's still within this range. So you know what? Give me Dallas Goddard against Carolina in what I hope, what I hope will be a will be a good matchup, will just be a good matchup you know offensive
1: game oh certainly that that should be a fun game to watch i'm really looking forward to that one for sure and i'm gonna go right back to the well that i went with last week it didn't do anything for me last week but speaking of good offensive games the highest overrunner on the slate it's the giants and it's the cowboys look no Shepard, no slayton let's do it evan let's do it Evan Ingram, he's going to be out there. A chance to lead this team in targets alongside Galladay and Kadarius. Tony,
0: I, I expect the, the to, to shoot you. out
1: a little bit. Uh, I, you're like, Evan Ingram, say what you want to say, but the guy gets targets every single week. I hope this is the week <laughs> that comes together for Evan Ingram. I'm starting Evan Ingram in some leagues, uh, and I'm, I'm starting him on this segment. So to recap, I'm going with Allen Robinson, Leonard Fournette, Evan Ingram, and Trevor Lawrence. Billy, who's your squad? I will be
0: taking Justin Fields, Mike Davis, Cole Beasley, and Dallas Goddard. And once again, I want to commend you on the Evan Ingram pick. He was your highest scorer last week. Oh. So, <laughs> so oh. I'm looking forward to being five and zero. Oh. So all that being said, I want to hand it back over, to Jacob, to finish this off.
1: All right, let's I'll just keep talking out. trash. Well, I'm going to send it right back to you because this is it for the uh, this is it for the Full Tilt Dynasty podcast this week. Quick housekeeping note. Uh, as I said, there is no no free squares uh, tomorrow. Uh, it's it's Thanksgiving weekend up in Canada. I'm going to be spending some time with the grandparents, with the family. So my Saturday plans are taking me elsewhere. I'll be back with no free squares next week. Uh, however, you can find all of my DFS advice in written form. The Week 5 Pareto Principles is live right now on Player Profiler. I'm going to tweet out that link uh, and pin it just right after I get off of this show. And then, of course, if you want other listening of things that I've been up to this week, you would always check out my Wednesday show with Chase and Shane Fantasy Intervention. And this week, mildly exciting, I was guesting on Sharp Angles with Rich yeah, Uh You can find that, of course, uh, on the Sharp Angles podcast feed wherever you get your podcasts. And I, I retweeted that link out as well if you want to check that out. We talked... Uh, about Debo Samuel, Cooper Cup, some some different wide receiver market. We talked a lot about some buy low receivers. We talked a lot about Allen Robinson. If you're a part of the Allen Robinson fan club, and most importantly, we discussed the wide receiver name swag index and why That's Justin Jefferson's thing. lame ass name has him in serious danger of losing the wide receiver one seat. So make make sure to check that out, Billy. Where can the people find you?
0: Yeah, you can find me on Twitter, any given moment, at BigBillyFF. My DMs are open. You can always hit me up with something. It's probably making fun of me or something, but that's okay. I I got thick skin. I got thick skin. That's why I put the big in front of my name. Nothing to do with anything else. But besides that, we'll be moving on. (laughs) You can find me here every Friday. You can find my Sunday reviews, uh, usually in your podcast feed on Tuesday morning running down every single game from the Sunday and Monday night slate. And Ooh. with that, um I should be putting out a new preview 22. Now that I'm getting my feet under me with the semester. So looking forward to doing that, looking forward to scout some more college football, looking forward to watching one. Texas Tech take it home this week, probably not, but it's our homecoming. So besides that, as there always, happy to be here with I'm my coming boys. home again. <laughs> Think about me. Want to wish Thomas okay. one last happy birthday, and anyway, happy birthday, happy, buddy.
1: Happy Thanksgiving moving forward. Uh, with that, I got nothing else. Jacob, what about you? I got nothing. I, Xander Bogarts just homered and brought the game back to five-four. So it's only bottom three and or top of three. It's already five-four ball game here with uh Sox and Ray. So I'm gonna head over, watch the end of that, root for my Red yeah, Sox, and so get the back Brewers the already won. Yeah, congrats on the brew crew, man. Good year for Wisconsin sports. How about that? Win, Wisconsin. win. Aaron Rodgers is still a Packer, And, uh, you know, you got uh, exactly the Brewers potentially making a run here in the Major League playoffs. So, all right. Take care, everybody. And uh, always remember this one important thing. Well, it's clear eyes, full hearts, but I think we just do the thing twice now. So, (laughs) we'll see. We'll see. Thank you. should work in